Okay, so Orphan Sunday today, if you are new to um, our church family or new to the whole idea of Orphan Sunday, I uh, just want to put you at ease a little bit. Um, we are here to rally the troops and to raise the flag uh, for the cause of orphans in our community and around the world. That's our plan. Not because it's a, a banner that we have to wave or, or a cause even necessarily to get behind, but because we have a father. That's why. All right, I'm going to back up and just start over. Amen. Okay, so we're here this morning, Orphan Sunday. If you're new here, I just want you to relax. We're not here to, uh, like, recruit you to anything. That's not, we don't do pressure. What we are here to do is to say, we have a Father. Amen. Oh, that's so, thank you for joining us. I appreciate that. We have coffee in the 830 service. We may have to hold it over for the 11 o'clock. Um, that's the idea this morning. That, that's it. And, and the reason why we as a church family pause with many churches around the nation, I texted a friend of mine this morning, I'm praying for you, it's Orphan Sunday, pray for us. He said, it's Orphan Sunday at our place too, very first time we've ever done that. I said, go get them. The reason why we pause, we kind of push pause on everything else that we're doing and hold this up is to say, um, hey, this is important and it's important to God and it's important to us, not because we need a call. Not, but because we have a father. That's why. And for us to align ourselves with him, then it is, is what we're all about, to, to get in line with what he wants. It is very personal to us. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about me or my family or what you saw this morning. I'm talking about collectively, us as a church family. It is very personal to us. And the question ought to be asked, why is it so personal to us? I'm glad you asked that. If you have a Bible, Romans chapter 8 this morning, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to grab one if you need to borrow it, or if you need to just take it with you, feel free to do that as well. It's our gift to you. If you're a user of the Bible app, you can open up and find it either by geography or link off of one of our social media sites, um, our live event. We can track along with the scriptures and sermon notes and all that kind of stuff. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back um, into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So um, why is it personal to us? As, I mean, as a church family, why is, why is this so important and so personal to us? Two answers this morning. Number one, God adopts children. That's you, and that's me. Nobody in here was awesome enough to be born into Jesus' family. Like nobody, I mean, you may be the most incredible person, most generous, most religious, what, nobody in here qualifies. Every person in here who is brought into God's family is brought into his family via adoption. He was, we, there is a whole teaching in the church, excuse me, in the culture. Um, everybody says it, people on TV and people in print and people on blogs and Facebook and everywhere else, they say, oh, we're all God's children not according to the Bible. Those who are brought into God's family and have a relationship, we are all God's creation. We can say amen to that all day long. But to be his children implies a, a special relationship. So the, the, the important thing that, that is um, out there for you and for me to embrace is this. reason this is personal is because God adopts children. That's, that's you and that's me. Um, two sides of this, if you've ever seen this or being a part of it, or maybe it's part of your story, uh, like it's part of ours, there's kind of, and I think this is why adoption is so 
awesome a metaphor for understanding the gospel. And by the way, this isn't the only place that Paul and the Bible talk about adoption. Galatians 4, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we, he might redeem those who are under the law, that's you and me, um, in order that we might receive the adoption as sons. Ephesians 1, Paul says, uh, um, uh, we, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So, I mean, this, is, this thing carries all throughout the New Testament teaching, this whole idea of adoption. I think there's a reason why, because there's two sides to it. There was a point with our two girls where we stood before an official of the Chinese government, and they said some things that got translated to us, and we said some things that got translated back, and there was a moment where that government official legally declared that child to be ours. So it is with God. There is, a, there is a moment where when you put your trust in Jesus Christ and you um, commit your life to him and, and let him forgive you of your sins and give you the life and freedom that he has promised, there is a moment where legally you are declared to be his own. I love what um, has happened here in the book of Romans in chapter 8. Paul talks about kind of the legal stuff up at the front end of the chapter. He talks about the other stuff, the other side of adoption, the relational stuff at the back end of the chapter, and dead in the middle is that verse about adoption. So let's back up to verse one and just talk through this for a second. There is therefore, verse one, chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Previously there was condemnation because why? We were separated from God by our sin. Our attitudes, our actions, our thoughts, our allegiances, all were bent away from God and instead uh, um, were, were bent toward ourselves. And that ends up poorly for everybody in here, everybody. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to bear the, the wrath for me, to be condemned for you and for me. So now, for, because Jesus has stood in my place, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Legally, um, we are not declared innocent. Legally, we are declared forgiven because Jesus has done this for us. Then... And, and I guess along with that, let me say it this way, along with that, not only the, the legal standing of condemnation, but also kind of the emotional feeling of shame and condemnation, both of those are done away with. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It just gets better. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So, there was a system, the law of sin and death, that was set up um, against you and was keeping you um, there, okay? And that system, and what does the Bible say? That we are free from that. We are free from that because Jesus has come into our lives and has set us free. Not only does he offer us forgiveness, but also freedom. Amen and amen and amen to that. And then verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, he's not sinful flesh. It's in the likeness of him. And for sin. So Jesus came to um, uh, take on our sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So legally, the payment has been made. And the verses 3 and 4 there talk about how beautifully so, wonderfully so, all the requirements have been met for us. Who did the requirement meeting? Me? No. You? No. Who did the requirement meeting? Jesus did for us. All the boxes have been checked. All the things are in place. It's done. We are, there is no condemnation for us legally. Our status has changed. We are delivered, if you will, from the system, set free from the system, pulled out of the system of the law and sin of death, of sin and death. And then 
the requirements, all the, the things that have to get done, if you will, all the forms that have to get filled out on our behalf for us to be full family members, Jesus has done for us. That's the legal side of it. But it's not just that. There's also another portion of this. So all of that happens in Christ and there's no other option, right? There's no other way anybody gets made right with God except for through Jesus. But now not only do you have a legal declaration because it would be, I mean, it would be awesome enough. It really would. It would be awesome enough to be no, no condemnation and set free and have all the requirements met for us. But then we would only have a moment with a judge. God doesn't want just a moment with a judge. He wants a relationship with his kids. And so he declares himself, reveals himself as father. And so there's the relational side of that. And what I mean by that is that God has pursued you before. You're sitting in this room today. If you're here, you've never been to church before. Maybe you're new to this whole thing and you're not sure what's singing and what's baptism and what's happening, all of that kind of stuff. You're here because there is a God in the universe who wants you to know him as father. That's why you're here this morning. The pursuit started, is happening now, and will continue. And the question comes up, well, um, if that's the relational side, like I'm a little messed up, aren't we all? We'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, I got good news for you um, that we are now in Christ. God has sent his son for us. We walk by the spirit and he has promised us that nothing, how much? Nothing could ever separate us from his love. So here, at the, that was at the beginning of the chapter. Look at the very end of the chapter, verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? That's, that's hard. That's hard stuff. Is hard stuff going to separate you? No, that's what he says. Or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul is writing to the Romans. He goes, hey, I know you're going through some stuff, some very difficult things, some dangerous things. But look at verse 37. No, in all these things, all of those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, listen to this, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things... Just, let's just pause. We can't run past this stuff. Not death and not life. You, some of you have experienced death recently. Or it's, it's just on the verge. Hospice has been called. I mean, you've got that coming. That's not going to separate you from the love of God. Some of you are not scared of death. You're scared of life. And life is not going to separate you from the love of God. Not angels, not powers, not things present and whatever's going on in your life right now and not things to come. There's nothing in your life right now that's going to separate you from God and there's not something tomorrow that's going to pop up that's going to separate you from God either. Verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Paul just uses the junk drawer term. Hey, nothing else either, okay? He catches all of that. Um, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God adopts children, and he does so legally, and he doesn't just say, okay, so kind of uh, maybe just welcome to the family. He comes all in, both arms, full hug, bear hug, wrap you up. You are in my family, full member. And I'm so glad you are. That's why it's so personal to us, and so if that were the end of the sermon, 
that would be enough, but it just gets better. Why? Because not only does God adopt children, but he also sticks with them. Because having kids is hard. Somebody can say amen to that out loud, right? I mean, goodness. Having kids is hard. And so, um, at every stage of life, you think, oh man, it can't get any harder than this. And then the next stage comes, right? And then you're like, golly, I wish they were toddlers again and just pulling stuff off and breaking it. Every stage is hard, okay? But God sticks with them. What, what do you mean by that? Okay, let's go back to the, the, the verse that we started with. I actually want to start in verse 13 and just kind of meander through the next four verses there. Five verses. 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So where do we start? God, listen to this. This is, this is so critical. God sticks with his kids. And when does he stick with his kids? He sticks with his kids when they fight sin. As they fight sin, God sticks with his kids. If you struggled against sin this week, if you um, uh, were working in some way to continue to live as God wanted you to, God's sticking with you. If you were imperfect this week, God is still sticking with you. Some of you came in this week and man, you were like, oh yes, I want to sing about the grace of God because man, this week I've just been trying to beat it back, beat it back, beat it back. I don't want to live like that. I'm just trying to beat it back. Some of you come in, you struggled so hard and, and you think, oh, God must not love me. He must not want me because I'm a sinner and I had to fight off this, that, and the other. And it's the 61st time already I've had to fight it off. Oh, I, just, I just want to be done with that part. And God looks at you and says this, good job fighting. Even if you failed, he says, good job fighting. Verse 14, listen, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they're sons of God. His Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, His Spirit lives inside of you and He leads you. He leads you away from sin, yes, and toward himself, yes, absolutely. But you need to know that if you're a follower of Jesus, his spirit is inside of you. And if you're fighting sin, you can count on him to do this. You, just because you're fighting sin doesn't mean that you're not a child of God or that you're less of a child of God. In fact, it may mean that you're more a child of God than you ever realized. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So not only, not only as they fight sin, but also as they feel fear inside of them. So I don't know if this happens to you or not. Um, we have a six-year-old in our house. Every so often, a banshee wails from her room at like 3.30 in the morning. Anybody with me? How, you have this experience where you're like... And I, for one, sit straight up in bed like, what just happened? Was that my bad dream? Whatever. So you go, I go, oh, it wasn't my bad dream. You go screaming in there, trying to get to, I had a bad dream. And you pick her up and hold her. It's going to be okay. Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. It's going to be all right. Daddy's got you. Please don't wail anymore. You know, God, hurt my ears from in there. I definitely don't want you doing it right here in my ear. Nobody else thinks that? So you're comforting, doing all these things, right? As they feel fear, what you need to know is that there's a father who comes running for you. 
Some of you may feel fear. I just wrote a few things down this, um, this week. Some of you may feel fear because you think, am I as bad as they really say that I am? You've had someone speak over you. In adoption world, uh, when kids come into your family, you get a piece, uh, some paperwork, and sometimes it's exactly what they say you are. That's a rarity. Sometimes it's worse than they say, and sometimes it's better. But you've got this kind of picture of it, and you're not sure if it's better or worse. And some of you have believed a lie that you are as bad or worse as they, whoever they are, said you are. And you're fearful that if you are really that, that God will somehow turn his back on you. Some of you are fearful that, oh my gosh, if God ever finds out about, and then you fill in the blank. Something in my past, man, if God ever finds out about this, surely he's done with me. Surely he's done. Some of you are feeling that right now. You're like, yeah, I remember that when I was 13 years old. Oh, I hope my dad never finds out about that. Some of you feel that towards God. Some of you um, feel this fear um, that, that you think, okay, listen, I didn't grow up around church. Religion wasn't really part of me or my family or anything like that. So God is probably then, I think he'll love me less than those, who, th- those other folks who grew up around him. I'm some sort of like second class citizen because at 40 years old, after I made an absolute hash out of my life, God rescued me and now I'm just kind of sneaking in the door like in the last I'm like number C99 on the southwest boarding flight like I'm at the back of the back of the back I barely made it some of you think like that one of the questions in adoption world orphan world is can you really love a kid who's not kind of biologically your own every adoptive family in here will say yes absolutely you can You can and you do. God just does the heart surgery to make it happen. It's good. I want you to know that if if those of us who are very fragile and frail and and imperfect, if, if we're like that, just think about what a perfect heavenly father is and how much he loves you no matter when you turn to faith in him. And some of you, maybe this is your fear. I, I think at some point he'll just get tired of me. The word that Paul uses there um, literally means a standing, a, a standing as a son. In first century, it was the sons who were the full family members, daughters. It's a different world back then. Uh, daughters were kind of a, a, a different class, a different category. But he calls everybody in here, no matter your gender, no matter your past. That kind of, if you put your trust in Jesus, he calls you to a full standing as sons. You are adopted, full member of his family. He never gets tired of you. In fact, the word that he uses there in the first century, um, when when, uh, Paul was writing this, the word that he uses there, if you had a natural born son and they got goofy, they went off to college and did something stupid, you could kick them out. Be like, we're done with you. Don't ever come back. But if you adopted a child into your family, you couldn't do that. Paul wants to make sure that you know you're adopted into God's family. and He's never going to get tired of you. He's never going to turn his back on you. If you fear, oh, he'll find out. Oh, listen, church, he already knows. And he still has chosen to love you. If you feel, hey, um, you know, I'm not so sure 
that, that, I, that I can be loved like the rest of these folks who grew up around church. He loves you just the same. If you feel like, oh, God, he's not going to love me because I'm probably not only as bad as they say that I am, I'm probably worse. He knows all of that, and still he chooses to love you. At, and it, if you fear at some point he's going to get tired of you, I promise you this. He hasn't worn out, and his energy is not like ours. It goes on and on and on. And his mercy is new every morning. One more, verse 17. And if children, excuse me, 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So God is with you and he's sticking with you as you fight sin. He's sticking with you as you feel fear. And also he's sticking with you as you face suffering and persecution and hard times. Some of you think, if I'm going through a hard time, God must be bad at me. No. Mm -mm. There are times when God does discipline you for your own good so that you can share in his character, in his holiness. But there are other times when suffering just comes upon you and God's up there going, you and I, we're going to get through this, kid. We're going to get through this. And you think to yourself in that moment, God, if you really liked me or if you really loved me, I'm confident that this would not be the case. He says, I love you so much. I'm going to let you walk through this and I'm going to be this in this with you the entire time. Verse 16 again, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He does. He, he bears witness with us. Your circumstances don't change your identity. So wh where does this come down? So God, I mean, I said it was personal, right? So God adopts kids. That's you and that's me. And then thankfully, he sticks with us. Where does that come down for you and for me? And this is where uh, the turn is for us um, with this particular statement. So if we, if we are loved like this, then don't you think that would show up in some way? And here, here's the statement I want to set before you and then turn for just a minute to a couple of practical things. Here's the statement. Are you ready? The love of the Father like this Adopting kids and sticking with them. The love of the father then gets reflected in the love for family. The love of the father gets reflected in the love of his family. I don't have um, any better place to, to do this, uh, to prove this or show this in the text. First John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can flip over to First John chapter 4. Um, it's right towards the back. If you hit Revelation, just come back about three pages. First John chapter 4, verse 7, and just listen to these things. 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. I don't have time to preach this right now, but let me just say this so that we don't run past it. Some people say God is love, and then they seek to define what that is. The Bible says God is love, and then shows us exactly what that is, God sending his son into the world to be its savior. We don't get to define love like we want it to be. God has done it for us. Verse 10, and this is love. Here it is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And this is the part, verse 11, I don't want you to miss. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. 
The love of the father is reflected in the love of the family. And don't take that word ought as obligation, like, okay, I guess I'll love that person. I'm looking at them right now. I guess I'll love them, gritted teeth and all that. It's not ought like that. It's ought like, and this is one of the people who wrote a commentary on 1 John 4, it's ought like a fish ought to stay in the water. It's good for the fish. It's the right environment. And it's where they do the, the things that they're supposed to do. What does this look like? What's the picture of this? We, I've, we have gotten to be a part as a church family, as our personal family, several adoption celebrations and, and um, one even coming up next Sunday. Uh, God has told an amazing story through our church. One of the stories, I was talking to Kyle about it this week. I asked him permission to do this. Um, uh, Kyle and Casey adopted Rowan and everybody, we went down to the Harris County Courthouse and um, uh, when it was their turn, there was people out in the hallway. When it was their turn, the door opened, and the lawyer um, kind of looked at us like, what is happening here? I think there were about 60 or 70 people. And they just kept coming, and it looked like a clown car. Like he's sitting there holding the door, and people just keep coming. And at one point, he's looking, going, are y'all still with them? Are y'all with him? Are y'all with him? He's looking. The bailiff's starting to get nervous. He's like got his hand on his, like, what's going to happen here? Easy text, just be easy. The judge's eyes got to be like, I'm not so sure I've ever sworn in this many people at once, ever. And so we kind of cram to the front, and everybody raises their right hand. They go through the whole thing. They declare the adoption, and, and we got to celebrate everything that God had done. Why? Because we ought, beloved, if we are so loved by God, we ought to love one another, and that's this picture of that. So I want to work this backwards for just a minute. Practically speaking, these three things and we're done. You ready? Practically speaking, I think we ought to celebrate this. Every time we get a chance, we have to hug somebody, celebrate something, rally towel, put on your rally hat, whatever it is for you, light something up, set the smoke alarm up. I mean, I think there ought to be a moment or a lot of moments where we celebrate all the things that God has done. But that celebration happens kind of at the end of the story, not the, not, the, not the beginning. So the second part of that, the thing that lies underneath that and behind that, the reason we're taking it in the opposite, everybody loves the party, but underneath that, Kyle even mentioned it this week as we were talking, he goes, all of those people showed up to celebrate. That was incredible. But they had been walking with us. And that's the second part. So shoulder the burden with them. So if you know of people who are in the foster um, system and working their way through that and navigating all the paperwork that goes with it and all the other stuff that happens, if you know folks who are, who are digging into kids' lives to try to make their lives better for a short or a long time, shoulder the burden with them. What does that look like? Pray, 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 and pray. And when you get done praying, hit your knees and pray one more time for them. Pray. And, and, resource them. And we do as a church family, this is encouragement. This is not me fussing. It is good encouragement to say, hey, when a new kid shows up in some of our foster families, y'all do a great job of saying, okay, tell me what you need. What size diaper? Oh, you need some clothes? I got some clothes. Just resource them. But bigger than that also, how many of you can babysit? Don't raise your hand because now you'll be committing. Oh, oh, dang it. I can't believe that. We got a camera right over there. We're watching. There are steps that you can take 
to, to become a licensed foster babysitter so that you can watch these kids and just look at a mom and a dad and go, hey, listen, the government requires us to go through X, Y, and Z, but listen, go get dinner. We got this. Go reconnect. We got this. And, and some of you may even take an additional step to be respite of care where they could spend the night with you, and that leads to this third thing. Celebrate with them. That's kind of the top, though. That's the pinnacle. Underneath that is you got to shoulder the burden with them by praying and resourcing and, and beginning uh, to, to get involved with them. And this is the bottom part. Be willing to step into the process. Some of you need to get babysitter certified. Um, some of you I need to give toward adoptions. Uh, some of you need to uh, um, uh, go ahead and step up and be respite care so that folks can have a little bit of a break if they need it. Um, some of you are going to enter into the foster thing. I want you to know, like last year at this time, uh, we had a family step into that, and now they have a kid with them right now. Awesome. Incredible. But step into this process. Step into this process. And to help you with that, Tyler mentioned earlier, Pathways, their, their table and stuff is set right up here, everybody. You can go by and, and uh, visit with them about what all of those steps mean, adoption and, and um, foster care and all the, the things that kind of come underneath that. I'm saying all that to say the love of the Father that God has for us, it gets reflected in how we love those around us. So here's what I want to do. Would you just close up whatever you need to close up and fold up whatever you need to fold up for just a second? And you, just, you ask this question, God, what in the, all of this stuff, what in all of this stuff had my name on it? How do I need to respond? Folks wonder about it being easy. Folks wonder about what, the, it's never easy, but it is worth it. You ask the question, God, what has my name on it? And what do you want me to do about that? We as a church family are praying about and kind of planning for a, um, a weekend where we can um, help um, folks get certified in in some level or another. It's going to be in late January. More information is coming about that. If you need to take a practical step today, Pathways will be over there. We're going to have just a moment where we respond in song because it's good to sing about our Father. And then we'll be dismissed. Let's stand together. We can pray with you about anything. Make your way to the back. I'll be standing back there and be happy to pray with you.